What is up, Mariners fans? I'm Seattle Sports Media's utility infielder, Andy Patton, and you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Technical difficulties meant there was no podcast yesterday, so I have two days' worth of material to cover for you all today. Leave it to the darn Yankees to knock this ragdag Mariners team back to earth. I'll recap the last two Seattle losses in segment one, and then in segment two I'll talk about the Keon Broxton glove-throwing incident. Was it worthy of an ejection or a suspension, or was it just a freakish accident? Let's talk about it. Finally, there aren't any Mariner birthdays to celebrate today, but we missed two yesterday, so we'll give them a shout-out. Stay tuned to find out who they are. The NFL season begins next week, which means Crossover Wednesday will be back. For the entire regular NFL season, you'll get a special episode every Wednesday as the hosts from opposing sides meet up to preview the excitement of the games happening that week. Find your favorite team wherever you get your podcasts and be sure not to miss the NFL listeners' favorite segment. Leave it to the Yankees to ruin a good thing, right? Mariners had won their last four series and then, of course, New York comes to town and takes two quick ones from them. They won on Monday 5-4 to four in what ended up being a pretty close game, which was a little surprising after seeing how disastrous Tommy Malone looked on the bump. Uh, but then, unfortunately, things really unraveled yesterday and the Yankees won a commanding... The Yankees took a commanding 7 to nothing victory. It was a rough couple of games for the Mariners, uh, piggybacked by probably one of the most strange, fun, interesting things that I've seen happen in a while, the Keon Broxton ejection, which we're going to get to that. Uh, but first, we'll do a quick recap of the games. Uh, the first game, Whistler started for the Mariners again. He's looked really solid in that in that role as the, as the starter. He threw one inning. He had two strikeouts, didn't let anybody on base. But... The team went with Tommy Malone, and they've, they have they demoted Wade LeBlanc to a straight bullpen role to leave Tommy Malone in that kind of false starter role, and he he hasn't been any really any better than LeBlanc lately. He threw five innings. He gave up eight hits, five earned runs, walked two, only struck out one. He gave up three home runs, one of them to Gleber Torres, and then two of them to Mike Ford, who used to be – he was a Rule 5 pick by the Mariners a couple years ago. They ended up returning him to New York, and – now he's making him making him regret that. Um, yeah, Tommy Malone is just not. He, he started out the year pretty strong, but things have gotten real ugly lately, and this was another example of that. The rest of the bullpen looked good. Like I said, Whistler looked good to start. Eric Swanson threw the seventh. He looked solid. Wade LeBlanc actually came out of the bullpen and looked pretty good. He threw two clean innings, had two strikeouts. He lowered his season rate season ERA to five point four two. So clearly things still aren't aren't going great there but at least at least he looked good in his first bullpen outing that that's a good sign malik smith went deep so did dylan moore uh mariners had an okay support on offense with full runs but tommy malone just didn't get things done on the bump my favorite part of this game besides the keon broxton thing my favorite part of this game was Corey gearin you all remember Corey gearin he pitched most of the year with the mariners but he came in and got one out for the yankees after he got dfa'd barely a week ago, I think, and the Yankees ended up picking him up and plugged him into their bullpen. But if you guys remember way back in May when Gearden was on the bump, the A's came out and they challenged the little toe-tap thing that he does with his front foot. They said that that's a bock. And there was some whole big discussion about it, and they ended up ruling, okay, no, it's not a bock. Um, well, in his first game with the Yankees, which again was against the Mariners, the umpire came out in the seventh inning, and they had this whole long discussion with Gearin and manager Aaron Boone, and then they made Gearin throw a warm-up pitch to, like, check his mechanics and ended up determining that it wasn't a buck. But 
when they ask Giran about it afterwards, he seemed suspicious that maybe the Mariners were responsible. Maybe they tipped the umpires off that he had a delivery issue, which that is next level petty if that actually happened. Now, to be clear, Surveys denied it. He said, quote, we've certainly seen Corey throw a lot and Corey is not doing anything wrong. Corey knows the rule, and we certainly dived into a bunch of time while he was here. We didn't say anything. He was doing the same thing he's done all year. So, of course, Servius would say that. I do, I'm do. i not saying that he's not telling the truth, but I really want to imagine a reality where he decided to challenge Giran right after the, That's That would be hilariously petty. I don't think there's any beef between Giran and the Mariners, not that I know of, but Giran did say that it was, quote, convenient timing. When he was asked about it, he said, I don't know the conversations. That wasn't expressed to me by the umpires, but it was an interesting time for it to happen. I am I love drama, so I'm choosing to believe that that's what happened here. <laughs> that the Mariners perhaps were like, well, you know, he, he's been challenged on it before, and maybe they knew that he was kind of getting away with something, and they thought, oh, let's challenge it. It may not be the case. Maybe I'm just making stuff up because otherwise this was a relatively uninteresting 5-4 to four game. But we're going to go with that. We're going to say that that's what we think happened because the Broxton saga is something we're going to get to a little bit later. But why not have two fun storylines from one game? Anyway, yesterday's game was also a bit of a clunker. Uh, the Yankees won com- handily 7 to nothing. They scored two in the first and three in the third, so this thing was over about well before it even got started. Masahiro Tanaka looked great. He threw seven innings, only gave up three hits. Luis Sessa finished it out for them. On the Mariners' side, it was Yusei Kikuchi and just didn't have it. You know, he looked good in his last couple outings, kind of thought maybe he's turning a corner, maybe he's going to be back to being that guy we saw earlier in the year. Not so much here. Four innings pitched, five earned runs, three walks, one strikeout. He gave up two home runs. One of them was to Brett Gardner. One of them was to Aaron Judge. Just didn't have it. You know, wasn't locating well. Fastball wasn't up in the zone, which is where we think he needs to be locating it to be effective. That's where he, that's where he lived when he had his complete game shutout. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing we've talked about with him before of consistency. He needs to, he doesn't have overpowering stuff. He's got a good slider, but that's about it. So he needs to be pinpoint with his location. And when he's not, he gets hammered around pretty good. Reggie McLean threw three solid innings in relief. Eric Swanson was good once again. And Taylor Gilbo threw in the ninth inning, and he looked solid as well. So I don't know. It was just, you know, Tommy Malone and Yusei Kikuchi really didn't get things done. In this one in particular, the Mariners' bats didn't do them any favors. They didn't get their first hit until the fifth inning. They only finished with four hits total. Obviously didn't have any runs. Just, I mean, Tanaka's a good pitcher. Maybe it was just, you know, he was having a good day. But it's tough to see the Mariners' bats just completely disappear like that. But they got another win tonight. They got James Paxton on the bump against Justice Sheffield. Should be a really fun one. Hopefully the Mariners can avoid getting the sweep. Guys, Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform, it's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting from the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. 
They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, normally I would do a themed segment. For Wednesdays, I would normally do a look around the AL West and kind of what's going on there, but not a whole lot has changed in the last week, and I really, really wanted to dedicate some time to talk about the one of the craziest things I've ever seen in a game. Uh, if you have not seen it, please go look it up, but it was Keon Broxton's ejection from Monday's game. Uh, I'm going to explain it real, real quickly for those of you who did not see it. Keon Broxton got called out on strikes in the second inning on mon- Monday. The pitch was close. That's not really the debatable thing. A robot would have called it a strike. I get why Broxton was upset. I also get why it was called a strike. I don't think that that's really the issue here. Broxton was frustrated. He kind of rolled his eyes. He took his helmet off and spiked it on the ground. He was not looking at the umpire when he did this. He did not, as far as I could tell, say any words to the umpire. He just kind of spiked his helmet on the ground in frustration, which a lot of guys do. Then he took off his batting gloves. And with his right hand over his left shoulder directly behind him, again, not looking, he just threw it. And it sailed through the air and somehow managed to hit the home plate umpire who had just finished taking his mask off. It just popped him right in the face. And as soon as the glove hit him, the umpire turned around and threw Broxton out of the game. And then they started, you know, they had a conversation after that. It was, I've watched the repeat in slow motion probably a hundred times, and I suggest you all do the same is very clearly an accident. Very clearly, Broxton did not intend to throw his batting glove at the umpire. Nobody, even the umpire, nobody's disputing that. I also think it's fairly clear from watching the video that the umpire was Mandy Gonzalez. He didn't know, he, he didn't know that, he wasn't watching Broxton and saw that it was an accident and then it threw him out of the game. He was, he made the call, he kind of turned his head away, he was taking his mask off, and then all of a sudden he got hit by a batting glove. So I kind of understand the decision. I know this is a little bit unpopular. A lot of people think that the umpire should be uh, should get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. I, I understand all of that. But, like, I don't think that he – like it was, he, he really just – he got hit in the face by equipment. And when that happens, you eject the guy. It's kind of pretty much – probably if, if it's not a direct rule, it's at least, like, pretty clearly implied. Um, the way it sounds like the conversation after that, actually, I have a quote from Broxton here. Uh, this is what he said after the game. He said, quote, I didn't know I hit him until I turned around and he told me. I just heard the crowd after a couple seconds after I let the batting glove release. I turned around and he said, you hit me in the face. You're out. I was like, arg. I did not mean to do that at all. I can imagine that Keon Broxton didn't say arg in that moment, but that's fine. Um, so I, I tend to believe that that's probably a pretty accurate turn of events. And a lot of people, well, the umpire should blah, blah, blah. Like at that point... <laughs> The umpire got hit in the face by something and just immediately ran the guy. He can't go back on it. You know, if Brockton says, hey, man, I didn't mean to do that, and, and I think even if the umpire knows, okay, he's clearly telling the truth, it was an accident, I can't be like, okay, just kidding, you're not ejected. Like, it doesn't work like that. You ejected him, he's ejected, it's over, it's done. Um, from my personal perspective, Keon, if you look at Keon Brockton's numbers, I don't think that him getting ejected from the game cost the Mariners anything. He's a great defensive center fielder, but, man, he has been ugly – ugly at the plate and you know the Mariners probably got some better at bats out of out of having him out of the game but that's not the point you can argue day or night whether he deserved to get ejected or not but I will contest that 
while I can see both sides of the previous argument, him getting a two-game suspension feels pretty ridiculous to me. It is impossible to watch that video and not know that he his actions were unintentional. For reference here, two games is how much how long Jake Marisnik got suspended when he lowered his shoulder and absolutely dropped Jonathan Lucroy of the Angels and put him out for, I think, over a month. At least a couple of weeks that Lucroy was out from sustaining a serious injury. Now, I, I also don't think that Marisnik was intentionally trying to hurt Jonathan Lucroy, but his actions were considerably more dangerous and had considerably more ramifications than Broxton happening to hit an umpire with a batting glove over his shoulder. Um, yeah, it, I don't know. It's an interesting one. Of like, Brock, I'm okay with Broxton getting ejected. I really am. I, I, I don't think that in a perfect world it's a decision they would have made, but it happens. The umpire was upset. He got hit in the face. He didn't see what happened. He ran a guy. That's fine. That, that's all fine with me. But the league reviewing this, they had time. They didn't have to make some, some kind of immediate reaction you know, to this, whereas the umpire did. They reviewed the film. They watched the same video that you and I watched 100 times and thought, this merits a two-game suspension, and that does not feel right to me. A lot of conversation that has come up this year has been about umpires and are they taking too much control? Are they, you know, they have a Twitter account now. They've complained about things. I think they had, they went on some big rant about a player showing them up. And yeah, it's kind of, it's been an interesting year. I, I suspect um, that umpires are trying to, they maybe are trying to call more attention to themselves than in years past. Uh, because there's so much talk about there being robot umps and oh, we should just eliminate them completely and blah, blah, blah. And so maybe they're trying to kind of defend themselves in their own way. Now, having robot umpires is not going to eliminate umpires. They're not going to be out of a job. Obviously, they're still going to need field umpires. They're still going to need some umpire behind the plate just to call home and safe calls at the plate. So I kind of feel like maybe the umpires are just kind of puffing their chest out a little bit. They want to be heard. They want to be seen. Uh, it's not like we have not had renegade umpires in the past who have made games about themselves. Cowboy Joe West. Like, there have been a lot of umpires who have kind of tried to put themselves in the spotlight a little bit. I don't know that that's exactly what Mandy Gonzalez was doing here. Some people say, oh, he was exaggerating it. He was holding his eye like it hurt him a lot more than it did. I don't buy any of that necessarily. I don't think that that, that he was overacting or anything. I do exactly like I said, I think that he took his mask off and something hit him in the face and he was upset by that, so he ejected the guy. And I don't have a huge problem with that. I do have an issue with the league coming down with the suspension here. I don't think that that's right. Broxton is appealing. I have no idea if that's something that's going, if he's going to win that or not. Again, from a perspective, like a, just looking at it from a baseball perspective, the Mariners are a non-contending team who are trying to play younger players and Keon Broxton is 29 and hitting under 200, well under 200. It's not a tremendous loss in that regard. Broxton's not a part of the team's future. This will just be two games that they'll give him a chance to play more of Jake Fraley or Tim Lopes. So it's not going to be that huge of a deal in that perspective, but it is going to cost Keon Broxton two days of pay that I don't think are justified. Uh, I had to share this Mike Cameron tweet. Um, if you don't, If you're on Twitter and you don't follow Mike Cameron, you should. Um, obviously, all of you listening are Mariners fans, so you'll remember Mike Cameron, and he's a hilarious follow on Twitter. So this is what he said about the Keon Broxton incident. I'm just going to quote him right here. He said, Global warming kept the glove in the air that long. Otherwise, the cool air of the late evening would have knocked it down. MLB, at MLB, we all know equipment stuff should be a fine only. We can get 10 players to try this from that distance, and it wouldn't even be close. That I believe. I fully believe that if they got a bunch of dudes 
to try to throw a glove over their shoulder and hit an umpire from that distance, they would never be able to replicate it. It was a fluky freak thing. Um, and Broxton was showing frustration with the call, but he was not in the umpire's face. He wasn't doing any of that. It's a, it's a funny thing that happened that kind of unfortunately had a negative <laughs> response. Um, I think that had it just been, a, oh, he got ejected from the game, people would still be laughing about how this weird thing happened that caused a guy to get ejected. But then when the league turns around and suspends him, it kind of just puts a downer on the whole thing, which that's no fun. All right, our final segment of the day, as is custom, is to do our birthdays. So today is August 28th, and there are no Mariners birthdays for today. But because we did not record a podcast yesterday, we get to celebrate yesterday's birthdays. There were two of them for the Mariners. The first one is Jose Vidro. Jose Vidro turned 45 yesterday. Most Mariners fans, I think, will remember Jose Vidro. Um, Most baseball fans might remember Jose Vidro, although I doubt they remember him for his Mariners career. Vidro started at age 22 in 1997. He played with the Montreal Expos until they were no longer the Montreal Expos, and he was with them for the first two years as the Washington Nationals. He was a three-time All-Star. He won a Silver Slugger in 2003. Then he came to the Mariners, and things didn't quite go as well. He actually had a really good first year in Seattle. He was with them in 2007. He hit 314 with a 381 on base percentage. That was across an in full season, but he only had six home runs. He had 59 RBIs. So hit pretty well, but kind of an empty batting average. Didn't do nearly as well the next year in 2008. He played 85 games for them. He only hit 234. He did have seven home runs, so a little bit, a little bit of a power bump. But that was it for him. He never, never reached the big leagues again. Still had a very accomplished 12-year career. So we wish him a happy 45th birthday. Next up is Mike Maddox, the brother of Greg Maddox. Maddox is turning 58, or excuse me, he turned 58 yesterday. He also had a very lengthy career. He played 15 years in the big leagues. He was primarily a left-handed reliever, played for a bunch of different teams. You're kind of your prototypical bouncer on the league, loogie type guy. Uh, he made a quick pit stop in Seattle. Uh, it was not an exceptionally successful one. He was with them in 1997. He only threw 10 and two-thirds innings. He walked more guys than he struck out. He gave up more earned runs than he walked or struck out. That's definitely not good. Uh, he had a 10.13 ERA. Not not a great stint for, for Mr. Maddox in Seattle. But again, lasted 15 years in the big leagues, had a career 4.05 ERA. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, so yeah, happy, happy 58th birthday to Mr. Mike Maddox. Coming up on Thursday, I'll recap tonight's epic pitching matchup between left-handers James Paxton of the Yankees and Justice Sheffield of the Mariners, and we'll have another fun topic for Throwback Thursday. Once again, I'm Andy Patton. You can find me on Twitter at at AndyPattonSEA. You can find the Lockdown Mariners podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, and go Mariners!